0: Welcome to the Buddha Sasana podcast. This talk was given by Biku Chintita in Chisago City, Minnesota. How Mindfulness Got Mislabeled. This will be a three-part talk. By 1881, the scholar T.W. Reese Davids had found the optimal translation for the Pali word sati. Previous scholars had variously tried translating or defining it as Remembrance, memory, recollection, thinking of or upon, calling to mind, active state of mind, fixing the mind strongly on any subject, attention, attentiveness, thought, reflection, consciousness, correct meditation. Most of them seem to have understood that the root meaning of the noun sati was memory and that the Buddha explicitly defined it that way himself. But we're looking for something more descriptive of its specific role in Buddhist practice. Rhys Davids explained his choice of mindfulness with respect to sama sati, right, mindfulness. Sati is literally memory, but is used with reference to the constantly repeated phrase Mindful and thoughtful, sato sampajano, and means that activity of mind and constant presence of mind, which is one of the duties most frequently inculcated on the good Buddhist. On the basis of his later works, it's clear that Rhys Davids understood that what the good Buddhist was mindful of were facts like impermanence, and natural law, or Dhamma, more widely, much as devout Christians are mindful of the The glory glory of God God as as they they do do all things. That was then and this is now. Unfortunately, the felicitous marriage of sati and mindfulness did not survive the contingencies of the 20th century. One hundred and twenty-five years later, the Buddhist scholar B. Allen Wallace emailed the scholar monk Bhikkhu Bodhi. As you well know, in the current Vipassana tradition, as it has been widely promoted in the West, sati is more or less defined as bare attention or the moment-to-moment non-judgmental awareness of whatever arises in the present moment. There is no doubt that the cultivation of such mindfulness is very helpful, but strangely enough, I have found no evidence in traditional Pali, Sanskrit, or Tibetan sources to support this definition of sati. It seems that little remained of Reese David's original intent grounded in the earliest scriptures. As Wallace alludes, mindfulness, I put a pause before and after the word mindfulness from now on to indicate double quotes, to indicate whatever is commonly understood nowadays under mindfulness. As Wallace alludes, Mindfulness is a critical point of reference for most Buddhist practitioners around which we orient ourselves as we navigate our world of practice. It certainly has shaped my practice, for instance. For each of us, it corresponds subjectively and individually to a very real experience that we learn to cultivate and through which we make progress in our practice. My intention is not to deny the experience, only to point out that it is now mislabeled and that the modern disconnect between sati and mindfulness deserves serious examination, especially among scholars and the most advanced practitioners intent on a deep understanding of the Dhamma and any of its traditional forms. As I hope to show, mindfulness has been shaped by the demands and fashions of modern popular culture, and while many productively practice mindfulness, the modern terminology has created confusion for those engaged in practice, teaching, or scholarly research based on traditional non-modern sources. Here, I want to consider in more detail how mindfulness is understood in modern Buddhism and contrast that with how sati was used as a technical term in the early texts. I then want to trace how this disconnect came about historically and also how it is that mindfulness speaks nonetheless so readily to modern people's practice experience. I will also suggest an alternative to Rhys David's term, mindfulness, that does not carry the burden of having become a label for something else. Modern Understandings Mindfulness is widely regarded as a form of meditation. The merriam Webster dictionary defines mindfulness as the practice of maintaining a non judgmental state of heightened or complete awareness of one's thoughts, emotions, or experiences on a moment to moment basis. Perhaps the definition most consequential for the modern understanding in general was provided by the German monk Jnana Thera in 1954, apparently initially as a provisional definition for those beginning meditation practice, but widely regarded now as definitive. Mindfulness, sati, applies preeminently to the attitude and practice of bare attention in a purely receptive state of mind. The great Sri Lankan-American monk, meditation teacher and scholar Bhante Gunaratana, clarifies bear as non-conceptual. Mindfulness is non-conceptual awareness. Another English term for sati is bear attention. Gunaratana also makes explicit that mindfulness is not about memory. It just observes everything as if it was occurring for the first time. It is not analysis that is based on reflection and memory. Sylvia Bornstein tells us that Mindfulness is the aware, balanced acceptance of the present experience. It isn't more complicated than that. It is opening to or receiving the present moment Pleasant or unpleasant, just as it is, without either clinging to it or rejecting it. Mindfulness is similarly described as a state of open or choiceless awareness in the sense simply receptive of present experience without elaboration. Thich Nhat Hanh tells us, Mindfulness is the energy that helps us recognize the conditions of happiness that are already present in our lives. You don't have to wait 10 years to experience this happiness. It is present in every moment of your daily life. John Kabat-Zinn states, Mindfulness means paying attention in a particular way on purpose, in the present moment, and non-judgmentally. The early Buddhist understanding. The Pali word sati is a derivation of a root meaning memory or recollection and corresponds to the verb sarati, remember or recollect. It occurs in its adjectival form as one of the factors of what I call the Satipatthana method described in the phrase from the Satipatthana Sutta, the root text of Vipassana practice Ardent, clearly comprehending, and satiful, having put away covetousness and grief for the world. The cognate word in Sanskrit, smrti, has a similar meaning and is commonly used specifically in reference to memory of sacred Brahmanic texts, or even to the body of sacred texts itself, which for many centuries were preserved in rote memory before they were committed to palm leaf. Sati is explicitly described as a form of memory in the earliest texts. Sati is the first of the seven awakening factors, Bojanga, where it clearly is allocated the function of bringing the Dhamma to mind so that it can be examined and investigated by means of the second awakening factor. When When one one has heard heard the Dhamma Dhamma from from such accomplished bhikkhus, one dwells withdrawn by way of two kinds kinds of withdrawal, withdrawal of body and withdrawal of mind. Whenever bikkus, a biku dwelling thus withdrawn recollects that dhamma and thinks it over, on that occasion the awakening factor of sati is aroused by the biku. The biku develops the awakening factor of sati at that time. The biku completes the awakening factor of sati at that time. Whenever Bhikkhu's a Bhikkhu dwelling thus sati-full, discriminates that Dhamma with wisdom, examines it, makes an investigation of it. On that occasion, the awakening factor of investigation of Dhamma is aroused by the Bhikkhu. Elsewhere, the Buddha offers us the following definition of sati. And what is the faculty of sati? Here, monks, the noble disciple is satiful, possessing utmost sati and discernment, recalling and bearing in mind even things that were done and said long ago. This is called the faculty of sati. Various examples and similes that the Buddha provides for sati involve the skillful performance of some task, each of which demands attentiveness but also know-how, bringing the relevant learned background knowledge, standards, perspectives, and skills to mind, and holding them there. In fact, almost all examples of sati in early Dhamma are specifically what in modern psychology would be known as working memory, activated by association for quick interpretation of or response to present circumstances. For instance, as an example of sati with respect to the body, the Buddha tells us of a man tasked with carrying a bowl of oil filled to the brim past the most beautiful girl of the land, who is dancing and singing before a great crowd without spilling a drop, lest he lose his head. Then there is the gatekeeper, who is wise, satiful, and intelligent, one who keeps out strangers and admits acquaintances for protecting its inhabitants and for warding off outsiders. In either case, it's imperative that one draw on all of one's learned know-how to accomplish a practical, not a contemplative, task. The Buddha declares that a noble disciple is once again like that, sati-full, possessing supreme sati and discrimination, one who remembers and recollects, What was done and said long ago. Then there is the example of someone walking through a thorny forest without being pricked, a simile in which the thorns represent sensual attractions. This last case exemplifies perhaps the most common type of reference for sati, having to do with restraint of the senses, a practice that demands the continuous, remembrance of learned dhammic standards throughout the day. Remembering then living up to our standards restrains our behavior and is compared in another simile to binding animals to a post in order to constrain their movements. In my related paper, The Satipatthana Method, I frame Buddhist practice in terms of skilled performance and further clarify the function of sati in terms of bringing to mind and maintaining in mind aspects of dhamma that are relevant to the fulfillment of the current practice task. These can be anything from conceptual knowledge to trained dispositions that guide spontaneous perceptions And actions in accord with Dhamma. Recall that Rhys Davids coined mindfulness on the basis of two Pali words that commonly co occur sati and sampajanya. Sampajanya is the counterpart of sati that attends to the details of the current practice situation to arrive at an interpretation in accord with the recollected content of sati and what is the nutriment for restraint of the sense faculties it should be said sati and sampajanya accordingly sati is well translated as proficiency and sampajanya as clear apprehension next week we'll see how proficiency and clear apprehension work together in right proficiency, which is active throughout the Buddhist path. After that, we'll talk about the history of the rise of vipassana and how the meaning of mindfulness shifted during the 20th century history of vipassana. To learn more about the Rethinking the Satipatthana Project, please go to sitiguorg slash chintita. That is S-I-T-A-G-U dot org C-I-N-T-I-T-A.